take the world and all that it offers and just give us you. You're the only sustenance we could ever need. You're the only hope we could ever need. You're the only truth we could ever need. Take the world, give me Jesus. Come on, right where you are, just in your own words, begin to lift up your hands. Come on, cry out to the King tonight. The one who's conquered death, hell, and the grave. The one who has given you life. The one who loves you. The one who would never leave you. That Jesus, we need him tonight. So just right where you are, step out of your comfort zone for just a moment. We need you, Jesus. We need your presence. God, we can't go to places where you're not. Father, will you lead the way? Will you guide the way? Will you show us your truth? Father, we need you. We need Jesus. Tonight, we humble ourselves before you, King Jesus. We offer our lives as sacrifices because nothing else will do. We love you. We thank you for your mercy, your goodness, and your faithfulness. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all pray. Amen and amen. Can we make some noise for Jesus tonight? Come on. He's good. He's faithful. He'll never leave us and never forsake us. Come on. Well, you can go ahead and take your seat. As you're taking your seat, go ahead and give a hug to somebody to your left and your right. Make some friends. Make some friends. Who's excited to be in the house of God tonight? Come on. You can do better than that. I do this to our students all the time. I say, how are we doing? And they're like, Evangel Temple, how are we doing tonight on a 6 p.m. service? You doing good? Incredible. Incredible. My name is uh, Jacob Carter, and I get the privilege to serve as a youth pastor here at Evangel. Um, and I love my job. Um, I don't see it as a job. I see it as a, a calling. Um, and I just want to say thank you to this entire house uh, for, for making me feel so welcome, for making me feel so loved, for championing me. Um, and I, I, I'm thankful that I have a, a pastoral staff um, that I know will correct me when needed and encourage me when necessary. And so do we love our pastors in this house? Anybody? I just want to take a moment to honor Pastor Jordan and Pastor Gary for their years of service. I'm telling you this. Our pastors are the real deal. You got to have a pastor that will be willing to encourage you, but also call you out on your junk when necessary. And so that's what I honor about our pastor. So tonight, I'm excited to preach. I got to say this to you. I am extremely nervous at the moment. This is my first time speaking here from this platform. And so I am so honored to be standing here because some of you don't know this, but when I was younger, um, there was like a two-year period where we kind of kind of came to Evangel a little bit here and there. And we used to sit up there in the balcony about three rows up. And I never imagined in a million years that there would be a day where I would be standing on the stage being able to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let's talk about God's faithfulness for just a second because I was like 11, 12, 13. And 10 years later, I'm here to present the truth. Tonight, uh, I'm excited uh, because we are continuing in a series um, called in, uh, Eternity and End Times. Uh, and for my first time preaching, let's go ahead and dive into the book of Revelation. Who loves Revelation? Anybody? Hey, let's be honest. Christians, we get a little weird about Revelation. Let's, let's be honest. There's, there's two parts of the Bible that we love to skip in our devotions, right? It's about the first five books of the Bible, um, especially Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Uh, and then we also like to skip out on Revelation. And why? I think it's honestly because we're kind of afraid of the things that we can't understand, right? Or, or maybe it's because we just don't want to get uncomfortable or we don't want to allow ourselves to, to dive into something new. But I, I think that every word of this Bible has some truth that we can apply to our lives and showing us how to live faithfully for Jesus. And I, I kind of want to demystify the book of Revelation for just a moment. 
we think of it as, okay, we got the next president who's the Antichrist, right? We, we think of it as, oh, the rapture, it's going to happen and we're going to miss it. I know you've been there. How many of you, you woke up from a nap one day when you were a child and nobody was in the house and you thought the rapture had happened? Anybody? You didn't go up in a Pentecostal church unless that happened. I remember many days I'd wake up, not a soul in the house, and I said, oh, no. I, I done got left behind. We've done that. Does, does anybody remember the, uh, the Left Behind series? Anybody? Okay, yeah. So, fun fact about, about my grandma. My grandma, she's an incredible woman, but just in case anybody gets left behind during the rapture, she's got the Left Behind series on her dresser at home waiting for anybody who happens to get left behind. We think of Revelation as such, such a, a mystical and hard-to-comprehend book, but when we really get down to it, Revelation is just a proclamation of who Jesus is. It's a proclamation of his victory in the world. And at the end of the day, when you get past the beast, the dragon, the antichrist, there's a winner who comes out on top. And his name is Jesus Christ. He has no rival. There's none like him. And so we can take our guard down just a little bit when it comes to the book of Revelation. Because we know what happens at the end. And because of what happens at the end, we don't have to worry about what happens in between. Amen. Come on, so I want to get into the word for just a moment. I'm going to be reading uh, out of Revelation chapter 2. Um, I love this. It's a letter to the church of Ephesus. But before I do that, I want to talk a little bit about this, uh, this uh, particular uh, context that we're going to be in. The church of Ephesus was a very special church, and it was a very special city uh, because it was the main city in the, in the, in the, the Roman Asia province. Um, it was known for its worship to the god Artemis, known for its worship of deities and paganism. But it's also known for its hard work. We got any hard workers in the house? We got anybody who you will grind to make things happen. You will do anything it takes to get the job done. That's the kind of people that we're talking to here. Uh, but there's, there's an issue that happens. And I want to read it. It's going to be in Revelation uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It says this. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Those are the angels of the seven churches. And the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. Those are the seven churches. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. And this is where we need to listen. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. Look at how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life and paradise of God. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we love you, and today we pray that you would reveal yourself through your word. We thank you that we are a people that are gathered together under one name, and that name is Jesus. And we pray tonight that you would use, God, these words, God, to, to pierce our hearts, to show us what faithful living looks like, to show us how to return to our first love. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, and most of all, we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write this down. Lost love. Lost love. And when you read in, in Revelation chapter 2, you're going to notice that there are a few things that, that, that Jesus is speaking to these churches through a vision that John had received. 
and he's saying all the things that they do right, right? He says this, right? He says, hold on, I lost my place. He says, I know all the things you do. I know your deeds, right? He says, I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. He's seen their, their discipline. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered that they are liars. There's doctrine and theology that they've gotten right. And then he also says, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Determination. We have these four things. We have deeds, discipline, doctrine, and determination. Yet the church in Ephesus still seems to miss the mark. What have they missed the mark in? Well, they've, they've neglected their first love. I want, you, I want you to think about that for a second. They've done everything right. They have good doctrine. They have good theology. They're determined. They're disciplined. But the one thing that is the most important is what they are lacking. And I know this is, a, this is a message to the church in Ephesus, but my goodness, this is a message to us as a church in 2022. How often do we as Christians do everything right? We show up to church on Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, prayer on Tuesday, we do everything. We read our Bibles. We hang out around good people. We allow ourselves to be in solid community and discipleship, but really we're missing the one thing that's most important. A fervent love for Jesus Christ. I can tell you this, it's really easy to go through the motions of a Christian. And I can tell you that, as a pastor, it's really easy to go through the motions. If we're not exempt for it, then, then nobody is exempt from it. What happens is we can get so caught up in doing things for the kingdom, doing things for our spiritual development, doing things so that people think we're a solid believer, doing things, doing, doing, and striving and trying to be something. In all reality, we've lost the very reason we started in the first place. And, and that's the issue that we find here in, uh, uh, in Revelation. It's that Ephesus has lost their first love. Now, what is love? Love is, is one of the most important currencies in our world. The word says, and just Jesus himself says, they'll know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. What's the point of playing church if we don't love the people we're playing church with? What's the point of following Jesus when we can't love the people that he came down to earth to give his life for? What's the point of following the God who proclaims to be love when love is void in our own lives? We have to check ourselves. Just like Jesus is checking the church in Ephesus. He tells them what they're doing right, but he also gives them a little kick and says, hey, you're also doing something wrong. There's a, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I, I'd like to ask Mikey Bajelia to come join me for just a moment. Can you all make some noise for Mikey? He's going to come out for a little sermon illustration. This is that man. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Anybody know what that book is? It's the chapter of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is all that in a bag of chips. But there's a, there's a passage, and I want to read it to you really quick. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 3. It says this. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but did not love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but I didn't love others, 
I would be nothing. But if I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could not boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Why is love so important? Why is love the thing that Jesus corrects the church in Ephesus on? It's because without love, we are absolutely nothing. Without love, our message is void of any power. Without love, we will never reach people far in this world. We have to love people. And we also have to love God. He's the very one who is love. He cannot be separated from love. And so 1 Corinthians 13, it says this, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but did not love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. When I look at this, I feel within my spirit a check for us as a church, the church at large. How often are we preaching with tongues of angels and of men and speaking the most eloquent words and the greatest messages, but there's no love in it? And so you want to know what it sounds like to the world? Here's what it sounds like. Go ahead. Hey there. My name's Jacob. My name's Jacob, and I'm here to preach the gospel. I'm here to tell you about how much you're loved. Did y'all hear anything I said? Could you, could you hear anything I said? Hold on, hold on. You ready for this? I'm about to speak in tongues more than any of you. You ready for this? You ready? I'm not actually going to, but you ready? What did you hear? Nothing. Nothing. Guys, I can't hear out of both ears right now. That was incredible. <laughs> this is what our lives look like when we're void of love, you can stand on the greatest platforms in the world with the greatest testimony, but I promise you, if you don't have love, this is what you'll sound like. That's obnoxious. It's annoying. And I don't want that in my life. And let's be honest. Is that the message that we want to send the world? Is that the message that people who don't know Christ should experience when they hear us talking about our spirituality? No, we can do everything right. I can preach the greatest message you've ever heard. I could stand up with Billy Graham and preach the greatest message. You know what, I could, I could lead the greatest discipleship class that the world's ever seen. I could get 100 kids saved in a high school in one minute. I could do everything that I ever thought was possible. But if I have not love, everything is rubbish. And this is where Jesus corrects the church. You have lost your first love. Can we make some noise for Mikey for helping me out? Come on. You have lost your first love. Why is love so important? I want you to hear me on this. Affection determines the effectiveness of your action. Love determines the effectiveness of what you present in the world. Sometimes we forget that when we walk out into the world and, and claim to bear the name of Jesus, we forget that people don't always see Jesus in us. They see what we think is Jesus, but if we're void of love, we're nothing more than a, a gong and a symbol. We're nothing more than just loud white noise that does nothing but irritate a room. And I don't know about you, but when I walk into a room and I claim that I bear the name of Jesus, I don't want people to start getting like, ooh, this guy's walking in. I don't want people to, to think, oh no, I'm about to, I'm about to get so much discouragement and so much judgment and so much hate. 
I don't want people when I walk into the room to say, oh gosh, this is not going to be good. I want people when I walk into a room to say, I am better because that guy's in the room. I want people to say, I see the love that is, that is protruding through your life. I see the heart that you have for God and for others. Ephesus, they did everything right, but they missed the most important part. They were missing their love for others. Hear me, church. We have to do a better job of loving God and loving his people above loving the things that we have to do when we say we follow him. Coming to church every week is not as important as you surrendering your life to Jesus and saying, I love you with everything that I have and I love the people that you've created. Being on the worship team is not as important as you saying, God, I would give my life for the sake of your kingdom. Preaching the greatest messages, students winning nationals in fine arts. What does all of it mean if we have not love? Love has to be at the forefront of everything that we do. Remember, affection determines the effectiveness of an action. Without love, action is meaningless. Now there's a solution that's presented here in Revelation chapter 2. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. That word turn back in the Greek is metaneo, and it means to change one's mind or purpose. It means repentance, to turn away from. Some of us, what we've done in our spiritual lives is in trajectory to Jesus, we've allowed noise to get in the way. And our first love has been so corrupted. Our first love has been so clouded. Our first love has become something that we know not anymore. And that image of love that we've allowed to take the place of where Jesus should be is something that we have to turn away from. We must turn away from the, whatever we've allowed love to look like that isn't the love that we should have. Does that make sense? We have to turn away from any love that tries to shatter what we have. If you don't repent, here's where it gets a little gnarly. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Remember. He says, remember, look how far you've fallen. He says, repent, turn away. But then he says this, but is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life and in the paradise of God. Come on, listen to that again. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. We must listen to his word. We must understand his word. And we must do his word. Church, we cannot allow ourselves to get in the motions of Christianity. We cannot allow ourselves to fall prey to religious systems. We cannot allow ourselves to do what the world does and make everything just monotony. The same thing all the time. We have to break away from the monotony. We have to break away from even the things that we think are great in our lives. 
honey, I love that you're on the worship team, but please love Jesus before you sing. I love that you teach Sunday school, but please read your Bible before you get up there and teach. I know you're great at fine arts, but please don't make fine arts about fine arts. Make it about Jesus. There has to be a shift within our hearts because if we always go through the motions and make everything about what we can do, we'll be just like the church in Ephesus. Hearing a correction from Jesus himself saying that your love is the issue. Not your deeds, not your doctrine, not your perseverance. The issue is your love. The issue is your love. And so I have a few questions for you tonight. Has life taken a toll on you? Have you ever felt like you were defined by your works and not based on the God that created you? Have you ever felt like your spiritual walk was the most unexciting thing on the face of the planet? If you've said yes to any of those things, it's time to return to your first love. The lost love that you have, you need to go back to it. You need to find it. Lost love must be found because if we're going to bear the name of Jesus, if we're gonna go out into this world and see revival break out within our communities, my goodness, if we wanna see revival break out even within our own church community, we have to return to our first love. I want you to think for just a moment. Think of where you used to be. Think of the person that you were before Jesus came into your life and radically changed you. Do you remember the freedom? Do you remember the excitement? Do you remember the love, the grace? Do you remember all the things that made you feel like you were renewed, like you were alive again, like you were reborn? Return to those things. But, but Pastor Jacob, life's hard. Yeah, I get it. Life is, is so difficult. And the second that we think we have things figured out, everything changes again, and then we feel like we're on a different path and we just can't figure things out, and we're just sitting here saying, oh, I don't know how I'm ever gonna overcome this. Return to your first love. But Pastor Jacob, what if, what if I mess up? What if I fall short? What if I sin? What if I end up doing what I said I never do? Return to your first love. Our first love is all we got. And that's Jesus, the one who was and is and is to come. The Jesus of your first love 10 years ago is the same Jesus of today. He didn't leave you. He didn't go anywhere. He's waiting on you to return to your first love. Return to your first love. All across this room, I just want you to close your eyes for just a second. I want you to think for just a moment before I go into altar. I just want you to, to think. When you were found by Jesus, what did it feel like? What do you remember? What was that encounter like? When Jesus began to write your redemption story, what do you remember about his goodness? and his faithfulness, when he first showed you his unconditional love and showed you that there's a father that will never leave you nor forsake you, 
how did that affect your life? And when he forgave your past and redefined your future, how did that make you live? Here's the good news, church. Even if we lose the first love that we had at first, he never stopped loving us as his sons and his daughters. And you might feel like you need to make up time, but I promise you, he doesn't have to make up the time. He will catch you right where you are. Worship team, if you could come up for just a moment. Tonight, I know I've gone a little shorter than usual, but here, here's, here's the call. I believe there are some of us in this room, and we say, Pastor Jacob, I've done everything right. I've got the deeds down. I've got the doctrine down. I've got the discipline down. I've got the discernment down. I've got everything down. I've done everything right. But you know what? I, I, might, have, I might have lost my first love. All across this room, if you just close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment. You say, Pastor Jacob, I am the one who has lost his first love. If you're in this room and say, yeah, that's me. I need to return to the very thing that started it all off. I need to return to the God that saved my life. I need to return to the God that set me free. I need to return to the God that gave his only son so that I could have eternal life. If that's you, it's time to return to your first love. So if you are one of those people and you say, tonight is the night for me to return to my first love, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be a little bold tonight. On the count of three, I want you to stand up out of your seats right where you are. You need your first love. You've played the church games, but it's time to go back to Jesus. If that's you on the count of three, stand. One, two, three. I fear that some of us our fear of what others might think of us overshadows our desire to return to our first love. Each of us no matter how strong in the faith, no matter how mature, no matter how many years we've been at it, each of us needs to return to the place where it all started, where Jesus met us. Now here's what I'm gonna ask. Tonight, if you are standing, and even if you're not, and you say, you know what, it's time for me to return to my first love, I want you to come down to these altars, and I want some of our prayer, our prayer team to join you up at the front, and our worship team is, is going to, to play in just a moment. But you say, you know what? It's time to return to my first love. I've let the world get in the way. I've, I've let distractions come in. I've allowed myself to go through the motions, and you say, you know what? It's time to return. I want you to come down. Come on, don't be fearful of someone knowing that you're going back to the very place where it all started.
Father, tonight I speak over every single soul represented at these altars. Father, I I praise you and I thank you, God, that we are making the decision to return to our first love. Father, I pray that we would never allow ourselves to fall prey to what the world would offer us. Just like the church in Ephesus, Father, would we repent of our ways and would we turn back to you? Father, would we seek you with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our strength? Would we not allow anything to get in the way, Father, of what you're trying to do in our lives? Father, would tonight be the the night where we return to our first love? Father, your love is unmatched. Your grace is given undeserved. And your love is enough to change any part of our lives. We're returning to our first love tonight. In Jesus' name.